Hey everyone. Before, Hi. before we get started this week, we want to give shout outs to uh, some new reviews. Yeah, we love it when you review us. We are, And the more reviews we get, the more tuneless little ditties we're going <laughs> to sing. So keep them coming. So we wonderfully received two reviews in the span of the last recording to now. Um, I know our schedule has been a little bit off, but we're back on track now that it's the holidays... It's been the holidays, people. It's been the holidays. The holidays are always... They're crazy. We're not here. We we can't record. We did record in the field, our very special Howl's Moving Castle production episode. If you At our mother's house. Our mom's house. If you haven't listened to it, can you check it out. hear a different family member blow drying their hair. <laughs> It's true, we can for about the first 10 minutes, but that's just a taste of what it's like to be a Harnoy. Um, okay, so our new reviews, we're so excited about. Thank you so much. The first is from iTunes user Babe Truther, who is a fellow Madeline or Madeline. Um, her name is spelled a little bit differently, but we welcome all Madelines and Madelines equally, whether they have the extra E or not. Even if your name has a Y-N. We're trying something new. If you leave a review, you are going to get a rating on our very own patented badass lady meter. We're going to change it to just badass meter because not everyone is a lady and we don't want to force you into the lady category. But know that you're being backed by all those other badass ladies that we've rated on past episodes. We're going to give these uh, ratings based on little tidbits that the reviewer has left in their reviews. So Babe Truther, your rating is... Our greatest wish that 2018 is kept afloat by more than just YA fantasy nostalgia. But still YA fantasy nostalgia. But of course it's going to play a part. And we're going to be here too. That's our promise. No matter how frustrating, horrific, and downright soul-sucking life in the United States and in other countries around the world as well gets this year, We'll be here, we'll be reading old books, and we'll be talking about all those warm, fuzzy feelings that come up as we do so. Yeah. So that's the Dragon Baby's promise for the new year. Our other review comes from Green Hill Dan, who, based on his username, I think may have also emailed us and requested that we cover an E. Nesbitt book. And um, then we did. If not, sorry, multiple Dan fans out there. Dan fans. <laughs> Combining you into one person. But Green Hill Dan, thanks so much for reviewing your rating is the golden comfort of falling asleep the moment you close your eyes. Thanks, guys. If you would like to get your own badass meter rating, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. We really, really appreciate it. And now for the episode. Yay. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and approach them as adults. And we invite you to join us on our journey. This week, we are rereading The Neverending Story by Michael Enda. <laughs> There's so many different Never Ending Story songs. Not just that, but the theme music from the live action movie. The yeah. Da 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 is like so 80s and yeah. sweeping. And yeah, that was playing like blaring in my brain every time Atreyu rides on Falcor. <laughs> this is the first non English novel that we've covered we read an english version yeah we did <laughs> we didn't learn german and read the original in german although i'd love to be able to do things like that but i don't know we we're not there yet. we don't live in that world not, not there yet um so we are now going to insert a segment where our brother pronounces the name of the book we have our brother Patrick here to help out with his special German corner. German corner. Patrick gets to German corner, but Madeline's Law Corner super, was next. Super fans will remember that Patrick has been on one episode before. It was when he came on to pronounce Pinocchio's Village House. Uh, why were we talking about that? I don't remember. Uh, I, I don't remember what episode yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. It was for the Black Cauldron. Um, so since this book is a German book, it's the first non-English book that we have covered. We wanted to uh, just get the name of the actual original book pronounced. 
Die unendliche Geschichte. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. You are most welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good rest of the Thank podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Patrick visited us. The original German version was published in 1979 and an English translation by Ralph Mannheim, which as far as I can tell is the English version. I don't think there are any others competing out there, was published just four years later in 1983. And this book was wildly popular in Germany and Michael and uh, I'm mispronouncing his name. It should be like Mikhail. I I don't speak German. I'm sorry. Um, Was one of Germany's most popular novelists, like deeply beloved. Um, He was really known for his works for children, although he also wrote some books for adults. And he was a really interesting guy. He was actually drafted by the Nazis when he was just 15. And he you know, tore up his notice and joined like a teenage resistance. I cannot imagine what it was like to be a child or a teenager in Nazi Germany. Um, And I feel like some of that went on to affect the stories that he wrote and the insistence that it's important that we remember fantasy and that we incorporate it into our regular lives um, because it, it's not just an escape, but it can instruct us as to like, how we can make a better world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just my editorializing, but just something no, to think about. That's definitely a theme of the book. So let's do a quick marketing breakdown, talk about our copy, and I'm going to give a very brief summary because when it's it comes to saying place. what happens in this book, it's more like what doesn't happen in this book. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do the broad strokes for those of you who may have only seen the film um, or who haven't picked up the book in a while. This book has a really beautiful picture on the front, although it doesn't very much depict anything the way that I visualized it when I read the book. Um, there's a a little cute little bastion, little, bass, little BBB, uh, <laughs> riding on Falgor on the front cover, and then there are. It looks like from the very beginning of the story, there's those the messengers that the Will o' the Wisp and the Will o' the Wisp um, themselves. Mm-hmm. They're all on the cover of the book. Uh, it it is a really beautiful picture, and I like it a lot. And it gives the book gravitas. I think. I pictured Falcor as a Japanese-style dragon, mm-hmm. not as a dragon with a lion face. Although, I mean, like, Japanese-style dragons do kind of have a lion face, but on the cover of this book, that's just, like, not how I pictured Falcor. Yeah, I also always, um, I looked at it wrong, because I thought that Falcor's body was just in the background and that Bastion is riding on the lion, um, uh, yeah, because it just the looks like a Golgarmel or whatever. There's so many characters in this book. I'm not going to remember a lot of the yeah. names. I'm sorry. The Death Painter, the Master of the Desert. Yes. But you're uh, right. You can see his neck coming up behind the lion mane. Mm-hmm. But it is a beautiful picture. And then there's all these vines and detail on the top. I think that it is probably reaching out to the right audience. I think so. The thing about the concept of the never-ending story, like as soon as you see that title, especially if you're young, I feel like you're already hooked because there's something so... Just like Bastion was. Just like BBB. Yeah, as soon as you hear that, you're so intrigued. You're Mm -hmm. so drawn in. And I remember as a child feeling like this book itself had to be inherently magical and have more of a chance to pull me into a fantasy world simply because that's what it's depicting. But the back reads... Journey to Fantastica, where dreams become reality. Unicorns, dragons, sprites, will-o'-the-wisps, the inhabitants of an enchanted world. And into this world, through the pages of an old book, ventures Bastion, a lonely boy of ten or twelve. Fantastica is slowly decaying, its childlike empress dying. Only a real human being can set things right by giving the empress a new name. Bastion takes up the challenge and finds himself crossing the swamps of sadness and the silver mountains. And really what happens? Meeting sorcerers and giants, bats and night hobs, gnomes and racing snails as he journeys. 
he's Paisley. That's also just wrong. Bastion doesn't meet the racing snail. Yeah, this is already having some bones to me. <sighs> okay. As he journeys bravely towards the ivory tower, Bastion's quest is filled with all the wonders of myth and fairy tale. It is a fantasy adventure that will capture your heart and recapture the magical dreams of childhood. <laughs> So, I mean, let's just cut to the chase. Were your magical dreams of childhood recaptured in reading this, Madeline? Not in reading this <laughs> Not blurb. Not in reading the blurb. <laughs> the person who wrote this didn't Did read, they read the book. The, yeah, I don't think they read the book. I think they got They probably skimmed a it summary. and they were like, Night Hub, yes. Racing Snail. <laughs> Although just, for, you, for you, I have to put this in before I forget, the Racing Snail reminding me of Undertale because there are Racing Snails in Undertale. This book <laughs> reminded me of Undertale constantly i think that the i want to i think we should have it. yeah for sure i mm-hmm. think we should have a little um related recommendation section later on because yes. there are a few mm-hmm. different games and works of art and just things that i think people might enjoy if they like this book um and yeah want to mm-hmm. talk about those but undertale is top of the list yeah. i have it written in my notes <laughs> definitely for some reason i kept thinking of napsta book We'll, t- we'll, well talk yeah, about there when, are when we get to this segment. ghosts in this that don't and occupy very the sad, sad people sad too. Ghost yeah. too. Yeah. But he doesn't have headphones. <laughs> Sorry, as I can tell. Okay, so if we do an Undertale let's segment, give can you the, play the Undertale music over it? Oh, it's copyrighted. It's copyrighted. Um, so let's, yeah, so marketing gets a fail. F. Well, the me. front of the book is fine. The back, F- the back of the book. Okay, is fine. I will say, I always thought as a kid, why wouldn't they take the chance to make the paperback look like the never-ending story itself? Like, why isn't it copper-colored and made point. to look like That's it has point. kind of an Grace brings up a very good point. I'm putting the book down. <laughs> an embossed title, the snakes biting each other, the Ouroboros, Ouroboros. the modified Ouroboros. Um, I was always really confused by why... All of the editions didn't just do that. I've seen some nicer ones that do mimic the book mm-hmm. um, with the book within the book. Uh, but I just feel like that would add to the mystery. No, and you're right. I'd really like that to have that a, cool. a copper silk bound mm-hmm. copy of the never ending story. But I don't know if that really exists. Probably on someone's Etsy shop somewhere deep in the I'm sure. The or maybe DeviantArt. Anyway. Why not both? I'm going to try to stay on track here. Plot summary. Yes. BBB, a.k.a. Bastion Balthazar Bucks, is a an unpopular and untalented child who is looking for something better in his life. He steals a mysterious-looking book from a creepy old bookshop, and as he reads the story, he is drawn into it, at first mentally and then physically, as it becomes clear that he needs to intervene to save the world of Fantastica from disappearing. At first... And he becomes the... Oh, sorry. The first half of the book is about a hero within the never-ending story, Atreyu. The second half of the book is about Bastion as hero within Fantastica continuing the never-ending story. Um... Both have different outcomes. Uh, Atreyu does a much better job on his quest than Bastion does. He's raised as part of a warrior yeah. community and civilization. He's just matured much more quickly well, because of his culture, I think. They're really two sides of the same coin. And Atreyu is the perfect hero and then Bastion is the anti-hero. Hmm. Um and one makes all the right choices and one makes all the wrong choices and is guided by his pride and his selfishness. Um, so in the end, everything's fine. Um, but not, not until there's been a war caused by Bastion's actions. Bastion um, really screws things up. And he uh, ruins the palace of the, yeah, the true leader. He destroys lives and property pretty wantonly throughout the book. But in the end, Bastion does realize his ultimate wish, what he really wants, is to love. And he can best do that by going home. So he goes home, has a sweet reunion with his dad, who was previously kind of... He didn't understand Bastion, and he was mourning the loss of his wife and Bastion's mom. And the two of them weren't really connecting, but... They come together 
And the story goes on forever. (laughs) The song that we're singing is a, I don't even know what to call it, just like a pop electronica song from the late 80s that was featured in Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, That's why I know it. (laughs) There it is. Of which we, you know, I mean, we, we used to be pretty good. Of which we used to be pretty good. <laughs> Not so good at talking, Again, though. we read this book in English, our first language. <laughs> okay, so let's start with childhood perceptions. Hmm. I was frightened by this book as a child. That's a scary book. It is really dark, and I, I only think that I'm actually acknowledging just how intense it gets now rereading it. Um, because as a child, I had a habit of getting into books that were probably too much for me and then saying to myself, okay, well, you can handle this. You have to be able to handle this. So just deal with it. Just keep reading it and don't get freaked out. Um, as long as it's not a girl with the green ribbon around her neck situation. <laughs> Crisis, permanent trauma. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I read this many times. It was really strange going back through the second half of the book, which I've pretty much completely forgotten and having these very specific visuals that were already fully formed, just reappearing in my mind Mm -hmm. because I have spent time with all these weird little characters and random cities. Um, this, I, as a child, always filed away as the, kind of dark version of the Oz books, which are really similar in a lot of ways um, and which I was obsessed with. Um, I don't know if we'll cover any of those because they're really specifically aimed at young kids as opposed to the young adult demographic that we try to aim for. I'm also not super comfortable with celebrating L. Frank Baum in this day and age um, because he was a horrible person. But uh, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Anyway. TBD. Stay tuned. Like I mentioned earlier, there just was this inherent excitement to the phrase the never-ending story and I thought that there was some power to that and if I became a part of the never-ending story then it could really include me in the same way it includes Bastion or at the very least I would always have this tale before me and I thought it was really smart and cool when I was a kid that there would be all these fragments of beginnings of stories and then the narrator says but that's another story for another time Mm -hmm. so you're getting all these kind of continuing universes being built up at the same time, but we don't have time to deal with them because we've already got a very long book on our hands to deal with. Um, And I really liked that uh, device. Yeah. Um, Madeline, what did you think of this as a kid? So I don't know if I actually read this book as a kid. It's hard to untangle from all the media representations. Because I've definitely seen the live action movie and then... (laughs) Honestly, the the media that I'm most familiar with is that intensely strange animated series. We somehow, as children, acquired a VHS containing something called The Neverending Story, The Animated Adventures of Bastion Balthazar Bucks. when we were young. Yeah, it it came out in 95, so I was five years old. Um, I think we, we found it a few years after that. Mm-hmm. I think we probably, like, sorry. <laughs> just every time we start up again, that chair is oh, so sorry. loud. It was probably, like, from maybe we got it used from Blockbuster or something. I'm not sure. I don't know how we acquired it. I um, do have a memory of the case not being new. I don't know. That's one of those old, um, like, pop-out cases, the white plastic. So we're not going to go in depth on that series because we're going to do another mini episode where we rewatch a little of it. We Um, only had, like, six episodes, too. It was barely any of it. And let's be clear, the series was shoddily made. Very loosely based on the actual so story, um, and just really odd, um, like uncomfortable to watch yes. at moments, and yeah. frightening. Yeah, I know it was very scary. Um, so we're gonna, yeah, we'll have a mini episode that will probably come out about a, a few days after this, after this one's released, um, and we'll talk more about that. I don't know if anyone else out there has, has even seen this series because 
when you talk about never ending story, people immediately go to the live action film, mm-hmm. um, from 84. Um, and that was a pretty popular movie. Although the hope that movie was horrifying. Was really also scary, yeah. the, the our text. Yeah. Our text. Yes, I can. It stays with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Look out for that. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Continue. So uh, I'll, I think that the six episodes of that TV show that we have. Which do cover a lot of the characters. Yeah. It doesn't have storylines from well, the book, but, but they characters. Do borrow weird things heavily from the book, like yeah. the belt, or I feel like there was a part in oh, it with yeah. the lion that oh. turns to stone the at lion night. The is in it. Ergi, Ergol, Ergix, Ergolodge, and Andy Mook, Andy Wook. I literally finished reading this like an hour ago. It's incredible that all the names are gone from my brain. Uh, Ergol and Andy Wook. Right? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we're really professional the podcasters. <laughs> the gnomes. Uh, they were in it too. They were really mean to each other. The like Punch and Judy type yeah. couple, which uh-huh. honestly like irritated me yeah. the most, probably out of yeah. everything in the book. Anyway, finishing your childhood perceptions. So you, uh, your mem- your prevailing memories are from the animated series. Yes, and I struggled to disentangle them from, and then I think other ones came in from the live action movie. But I, this book felt very different from both of those things, so mm-hmm. extremely different, and I, I very much enjoyed reading it, like getting the whole giant story and realizing how many layers they were and mm-hmm. how it swaps main characters yeah. halfway through the book. It was a very solid reading experience. Nice. It's a really interesting book because I feel like it contains within it so many threads of different well-established fairy tales and folk tales, um, mythological characters Mm -hmm. and their stories, but it puts them into a pretty unique framework um, and employs their tales in a new way. And very, very effortlessly rich mm -hmm. universe. It didn't feel... Like you had to get through all these paragraphs of world building interspersed throughout like certain authors do. Instead, it was just, ta-da, we're here now and these are the people and this we're how these people live. And it it was just, it felt very natural. Which is absolutely necessary for the conceit of this narrative because it's supposed to be a child whose imagination is instantly and perfectly creating new beings and new tales. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's supposed to be a font that never dries up. And it's Michael Endy definitely achieves that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The... The concept is a little advanced for a child. Yes, got some um, got some <laughs> sci-fi stuff in there, really. Well, and first of all, the book within a book, two different worlds helping to create one another and flowing into one another, mm-hmm. and the ways in which humans and the fantasy characters can interact, the fact that humans lose their humanity when they're in Fantastica making wishes and creating new things Mm -hmm. um, to the point where they become these really disturbing shells of uh, beings if they overstay their welcome. Um, But then when Fantasticans cross over into the human world, that they become lies Lies. and harmful pieces of information. Mm. Um, and I also thought that the concept of the childlike empress would be very difficult for a child because mm-hmm. of how um, godlike she yes. is in because a very she, cruel way. She's really. neutral. Yes. Yeah. She sees Not cruel to a child, but in reality, right. neutral. Yeah. She sees good and evil as all the same and everything is necessary within the kingdom. There's also a lot of play on the concept of that necessary duality of good and evil, mm-hmm. how without tension, you're not really going to feel happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, like when Bastion ends up with the community that he creates out of the wish to feel a sense of belonging to a group. Um, missed people, yeah. Yeah, but they are basically a single consciousness. So when one of them dies, it's it means nothing because everyone is one. Mm-hmm. Everyone is the we. Um, 
And he realizes that, yeah, he needs some kind of <laughs> tension there. So he creates a monster that kills one of them. It's, it's just, he makes all the perfect missteps, but it ends up, you know, delivering to us a pretty interesting story. Yeah. And we get to, I love the <laughs> just dynamic duo of Atreyu and Falcor just standing by next to Bastion. And he's making these catastrophic choices. And shooting like sitcom looks at each other <laughs> every time yeah. he does something else. Just being like, okay, we're biding our time. We will figure it out when we can. Or the comically evil uh, uh, villain yeah. who yeah. he who BBB picks up along the way and then becomes BFFs with. Yeah. Um, Kiri. Oh. <laughs> I've never it's felt like Zin- so Zendira? old. Oh, oh, yeah. It's Zendira. Zendira. Um, Zendaya. This is straight up hopeless. I just opened <laughs> to a random page. The names on this page, I feel like I've never even seen before. Shirkri, Ushtu, Yisipu. It's what he's making up the story. the monks of knowledge. Oh. Zaid. It's Zaida. It's X-A-Z. They said it in both versions of the audiobook that I listened to. Oh, you were listening to the audiobook. Great. No, no. Great. Great. Cool, 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 cool. Dope, 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 dope. Zaida. Zaida. That's how they said it in the TV show, too. No, I'm sorry. So that's got to be right. No, I'm not trying to mispronounce it. I'm was just trying TV to... TV show even on brand? <laughs> it's just a total... I feel like it was pr- produced all in, like, different sweatshop animation yeah, studios. It just doesn't fit together. It's, like, worse together. than old animated Spider-Man. There are which parts... Which was from the 60s. <laughs> there are parts where, like, yeah, parts of Bastion's body are just missing, or our favorite scene, which we'll go into detail on, which we'll hopefully be able to find it and rewatch we it, will. is when Bastion inhales a sandwich. He just mushes the entire thing into his mouth in one bite. Like, sucks it into his mouth as it's through swallow. a straw and then runs out a door. It's and it's dead amazing. and goes like, whoa, whoa. Okay, we have to save that for our mini episode. That's how I'll do it again for the mini episode. Yeah, Zaida, Zaida um, is ridiculous. How did we start talking about her? Because of the bad decisions that bad decisions, BB right. makes. I'm sorry. Because he's, she is so She's so glaringly evil. going to double cross him yeah. and just biding her time. Um, and yeah, he is being blinded by his own fears at that point. And he is in a full-on Frodo Gollum situation with her. Mm-hmm. Um after Atreyu tries to offer to carry Orin, um, and Bastion believes that, you know, he's just trying to steal the power mm-hmm. rather than weather a weight. Yeah. Lots of lots of Lord of the Rings moments in this book. Um, sure. Return of the King, mainly. There's yes. also, <laughs> this made me laugh a lot, there's a dragon named Smurg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jewish. And they say Morgul on the yes, same page. they do, because Smurg lives in Morgul. <laughs> <laughs> I love that concept of, like, Smurg. Middle Earth, the Dark and Smurg. And, like, like, instead of Smaug living in the Lonely Mountain, it's Smurg, but he's in Morgul. It's like the Swedish chef from the Muppets. <laughs> Smurg and Morgul. Well, and Smurg is also hilarious in other ways because Bastion's trying to dream up the most ridiculous yeah. dragon that he can so Smirk has three heads yeah. um, and tiny withered arms and he's just like oh I hope I didn't make too difficult a job for that night it's like oh I think you probably did man and that's the first time that Bastion really realizes the incredible power of being able to create anything From and the fact mind. that he just brought an evil dragon into his mm, you know, yes. quote unquote perfect paradise yeah um, definitely echoes of uh, the Enchanted Castle there. I thought about that mm, a lot because yeah. of wishes going wrong and yeah. not doing exactly what you want them to. Um, one of my favorite moments from the book as a child, and it st- stood true um, on the reread, is first when Bastion is confronted with the group of weepers, um, the Akari or... 
I, I'm going to stop trying. Um, but the the perpetually ugly, sad people whose only lot in life is just to weep and be ugly and sad. And then he turns them into these horrific butterfly clowns. And then they hate being butterfly clowns and they turn on him. <laughs> <laughs> just their entire storyline as they come and go and ultimately show up at the end of the book, too. I love yeah. that they're the final ones who come to confront him and are like, yes. what have you done? Yeah, like, you screwed us up so bad. <laughs> We're totally ruined. Thanks. <laughs> it's like a real Frankenstein's monster yeah. situation. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, yeah. So that's our, yeah, really great. that's, that's our guy. Like, that's our protagonist, mm-hmm. which is, yeah. it's which, interesting. But you know what? It makes so much sense because certain, uh, None of I'm not like trying to throw shade. Nothing's coming to mind, but I feel like a lot of fantasy books have a like, you know, a lead that mm-hmm. is kind of wishy washy and's been, you know, is just young and immature yeah. and yeah, is having a rough life. But they don't really have anything yet to give. They haven't gotten to a place where they are like mm-hmm. interesting and dynamic yet. Mm-hmm. So. In this story, it actually takes him as a small child and it takes all of his insecurities and all of his wishes play on that to make him into the person who he hates, who he is in real life. And, you know, ultimately it allows him to overcome that. Uh, But like during the story, it's very understandable why he's making these missteps. Totally. And I thought it was really cool to have the protagonist be someone who for the majority of the book is not at all heroic Mm -hmm. and doesn't have that special spark or something because even when we have fantasy stories about so I'm thinking for example of so you want to be a wizard because Nina starts out as a pretty straightforward kid she's very intelligent and has other you know special qualities um but but she's pretty normal Mm -hmm. Bastion doesn't he's not good at anything Nothing, and yeah. he doesn't really have passions other than storytelling mm-hmm, that yeah. is that is the one thing he can do but um clearly he's not doing it in a way that's socially acceptable yeah. because it's not working no <laughs> he's being totally rejected yeah. um, by everyone except the one child who he would tell his stories to mm-hmm. so it was really cool to see him come in and yeah not have any common sense or courage um and then to start bumbling around in his perfect sandbox mm-hmm. um, and seeing what comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Especially after contrasting that with the first half of the book where we do... I mean, Atreyu is great, but yeah, also like kind of boring. Like He's very straightforward. True, because he only does the heroic he's good and, and just, selfless things. Always. Yeah. So he's a less interesting character for sure. Yeah. So in addition to what we've discussed about BBB being a little less of the standard fantasy protagonist. Um, I noticed a few other fantasy tropes that I feel like this book subverted um, that I'd love to bring up. The first one is something I've talked about on the podcast before, which is discussing the need to use the bathroom yes. during a quest. Yes, I love it. Because <laughs> not only does Bastion actually, you know, get up and go to the bathroom, and that becomes a thrilling part of his day <laughs> hiding in the schoolroom at or the schoolhouse attic. Um, but as he's doing so, he's pondering, why don't they mention that in these kinds of mm-hmm. stories? Probably not enough space. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about Tamara Pierce's book so much is mm-hmm. that they always, when they set up their camp, they dig a latrine trench, and mm-hmm. it just is great. They <laughs> they deal with their waste. They and the women get their periods, too. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when questing, as would happen <laughs> if one unfortunately how were a female-bodied person and but were you questing. you can still quest just as hard and just as well. Absolutely. I just want to put that yeah. out there. Another really interesting um, difference was the totally parameter-free quest. Mm. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, Bastion's quest in the second half has a little more guidance. Atreyu is literally Just told, kind of booping around go in figure the dark. it out. Yeah. No one can tell you what you have to do because nobody knows. Um, and things are much more interesting that way. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's going to be a bit more wandering and, you know, getting into the middle of a wind god fight and falling off the back of your luck dragon. But it's also 
more fun to follow along with. Um, and then there's a lot less broadcasting of, oh, whether this mysterious figure you met on the road is the one holding the secret map that you need to be looking for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to, okay, maybe I need to just go to a swamp and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. Watch my horse die. Well, it talks to me about how sad it is. That scene is really, really upsetting. Ridiculous. So early oh on my in the gosh. book. And it feels like a suicide. Yeah. Like a, a depression suicide. <sighs> yeah. It happens in the first 50 pages. It happens really It's one of, one of the most devastating. Very upsetting. And then Atreyu just has to keep going on because he has a quest. Yeah. It's also interesting that Atreyu isn't Atreyu after a while, after he goes through the second gate to reach the oracle. Mm -hmm. yeah. He then doesn't know who he is for uh, quite some time until someone tells him his name again. Well, the gates are trippy. They really I throw him for a loop. the gates. Yeah. I always thought that they were really cool. These mm -hmm. are the gates guarded by the sphinxes um, that you need to successfully pass through in order to see the oracle. I thought that Michael Endy did a really good job of coming up with the task that's required mm -hmm. at each gate without making them feel too cliched um yeah i don't know it, it, it feels like a more successful version of like some things that happen in harry potter related to like the mirror of erised and stuff yeah no you're right shots fired <laughs> grace is throwing shade <laughs> i love harry potter but but you're right and there's also, with Harry Potter, there's just so much material there. So, like, it's easy to take shots at the weaker plot mm -hmm. points. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the, you know, we already touched on this, but just the other interesting kind of trope subversion was that the fantasy is dependent on reality mm -hmm. um, instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like yeah. usually it's the no, fantasy absolutely. elements appearing within the human right. world mm -hmm. and humans needing that to survive in some way. Right, no, there's a totally unique uh, interplay between the mm -hmm. fantasy and reality worlds in yeah. this book. And now there, I mean, there have been a bunch of derivative stories mm -hmm. and, yeah. con you know, movies, films, movies, right. films. now it's <laughs> very <cinema>. common, but <laughs> movies, films. <laughs> but reading but is it. is it a movie or a film? Who knows? Reading it was just... It's exciting to see the root of all that. Yes, absolutely. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And there, you know, I was also thinking about actually um, Shahrazad and the uh, Thousand and One Tales. It made me think of that too. Um, we did do an episode on a book called The Storyteller's Daughter, mm -hmm. if you're interested. Which is an adaptation um, of Which that. is one of our least popular episodes <laughs> because <laughs> it's just not a widely read book. Also, we kind of dumped on it a lot. <laughs> we were <laughs> Very yes. negative. <laughs> so if you're tired of us constantly being like, this book is amazing, You'll go read it. it. Yeah. Listen to our Storyteller's Daughter episode uh, for our more critical science. We had problems to come with out. it. Uh, but, but yeah, just the framework of, of stories um, impacting reality, but then also needing the reality to continue them and shape them and mm -hmm. bring them to their conclusions, if they can be had, because most stories actually never end because they're their own realities at that point. Something I did, speaking of storytellers that are in Shahrazad, I liked that... Um, Bastian did actually read a substantial amount of mm -hmm. the book before it like breaks and says the clock struck this or whatever. Like it actually felt like it was happening in real time instead of right. being three pages and then the entire night had ended. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, that that was a problem with that book yeah. where Shahrazad would speak like three paragraphs worth yeah, of story would, and then like the sun was up. Yeah, it was the next dawn. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I do. Much more I really appreciate that. And we've we've talked yeah. about that before, how it really irritates us yeah. when um, time isn't passing in the way that it should be. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yet it's important to the framework of the story. Yeah. It's like in Empire Strikes Back when Luke spends like, what, two days with Yoda? Because that's how much time is happening with the other people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about the magical systems in this book. Okay. Um, there was, I know we're referring to every other book we've read, but I think that's emblematic of how deeply rooted this story is in so many other and how influential it was. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. um, because I kept getting flashes of 
God, like nearly every fantasy book I've read. I mean, I went Narnia at one point. Yes, I thought of Narnia a lot. Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, went to uh, newer books like uh, I, I actually thought of of um, of Alana mm-hmm. and of Tamara Pierce too. But then I noticed with the magic system that it's very similar to the um, to the tombs of Etwan. Um, where names give you life and Mm -hmm. power and agency. Um, And there's a similar feeling of being unable to create your own identity and you need someone else to provide a memory of what it should be or to make it anew for you. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I liked the power of the names a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the magic is pretty vague. Um, and it works yeah, differently at different it is times. So meta mm-hmm. and so yeah. connected. Or it's to like reality what you will is right. It is. It's complicated to even discuss because it's yeah. less of a magical system and more of just this overarching kind of magical realism almost. Yeah, it is feel. magical realism. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, I think. Yeah. Um, and something like Bastion having the grain of sand right. from the mm-hmm. childlike empress, from Moonchild, mm-hmm. um, that he turns into all of right. um, the, the, the new world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the, but then at other times there are strict limitations on what it is that can be created, but that's also re- related to him losing his own memories mm-hmm. and power. So yeah. I don't know. It's... Your magic is really tied to your mental state, I feel like. True. Um, yeah. And Balfour that was interesting. starts to lose his own magic mm-hmm. when things were going bad. Yeah. And he's drooping mm-hmm. and not able to fly as yeah, high. Yeah, no, it's true. And that and was like, cool. Uh, Zendira. 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 I've lost it. It's like a bug. The evil, the evil um, sorceress. I think they call her the evil sorceress when they first meet her. Okay, the evil sorceress controls all of her minions with her mind, with mm-hmm. her will. Yeah, and that's how they're controlled. So that's another side to that. Yeah, and then they turn against her in the end. Um, I'm, it's not super clear why that happens. No. She gets trampled to death. Yep. <laughs> Again, very bleak. I mean, very let's let's go from there into a uh, badass lady meter because that is um, my my issue with this book is that there are like no women in it, and the, the child like Empress is more of a she's a concept. Yeah, that's the thing. She's not a character. That's true. She is the embodiment of all life mm-hmm. in Fantastica. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I mean, they could have switched up, and instead of using male pronouns with everyone, they could have made Falcor a she. I know. And then something, like, there's the mule who is cool, but her greatest wish is to have babies, and <laughs> she's, she's so right. dropped from the quest to go, <laughs> to go have babies. procreate. Yeah. Yeah. I At first, I was like, oh, the Will-o'-the-Wisp is gender neutral that's mm-hmm. awesome because of course it makes sense that why would fantasy creatures conform to a gender binary and then yeah. that's that's it that's the only right. <laughs> I know a nice, a nice little tease gender at the play. beginning yeah um Bastion's mom is dead yeah. um Zen's dad I'm, is a dental lab <laughs> technician dad has like a home <laughs> dental lab which again okay. grim <laughs> also doesn't make sense no, like our doesn't. Our parents are in the dental fields or were. You don't contract out like a sad dude that works <laughs> from home. Dental labs work. Yeah. No, it's really not. Even in the 70s. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe it's different in Germany in the 70s. Uh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. But yeah, that that's it was such a bummer. Are you German have... with a knowledge of dental lab tech <laughs> during the 70s? Email us. Dragonbeastpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um yeah, just Bastion's little memories of his dad in a lab coat in their home with plaster casts of teeth no, all around really him, just it. turning to look at him it's with dead eyes. It's like, it yeah, doesn't, his dad's like a zombie. Yeah, it doesn't really get darker than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Who is the lady? So, I mean, it it kind of has to be the childlike empress yeah. because but she has not... more page time than anyone else. Right. But but yeah, she they say it again and again. She doesn't like care about one thing over another or really have any motivation. She, she just, yeah, she just has to 
she's like the the life force. She is the force. Well, there was second Star um, Wars reference. <laughs> Must see something in the water today. <laughs> Go out and see the Last Jedi. <laughs> Still in theaters. <laughs> Give us money, Disney. <laughs> we know you have it. <laughs> That's just yelling at giant corporations <laughs> to give us money. I know you're rich. That's <laughs> how so, capitalism works. Um, Actually, I'm just going to call her Zendaya because I can't. Yeah, that's what I keep trying name. to say. Yeah. Um, but Zendaya is, she's a little more interesting, but she's the she's like hilarious evil. stereotype yeah, of going on. an evil woman who's tricksy mm-hmm. and betrays you and is constantly like I feel like she was really seductive which made me feel weird because Bastion is a child even though he's a hot child <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful child um what about there's Uyulala who is a really yeah she was a cool character, and then she dies right away, right after. Immediately. Yeah, she yeah. comes into the story. And then there's the spider. But that scene is so gorgeous. Yeah, I the really loved that scene. and the singing mm-hmm. floating through them and the gentle, moving voice. Yeah. I like the spider. The spider's You a, liked a spider? Well, it wasn't really a spider. <laughs> it was like... Oh, the... Um, the like creature of many forms yeah. that's attacking mm-hmm. Falcor when yeah. uh, Atreyu first, which was him. another neutral character because yeah, and you know what that spider has is named in the same convention as in um, Tortal uh, at the the Black City um, where Alana and John go. This is a deep cut. I'll cut this. What out. are you What are you talking about? Named in the same why convention. why names the, oh. a why and then. Isgrul is her name. It's like Igrang. (laughs) (laughs) What are sounds? What are words? We are just having it. Usually we have a whole apology section for mispronouncing things. This time we're just being flagrant. To be totally honest, I was going to make a list of all the character names because I knew this would happen, but then there were just too many of them. I couldn't pick and I... I was okay. reading this up spider, until right before we recorded. My giant spider meter is... Wait. <laughs> what? Did Bettis lady meter just become giant spider meter? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I guess rate your spider. She's a ten of Good spider. Okay, I mean, I think that's that's it because we're not we've established the childlike empress is not a woman, and um, Zendaya is just a sad concept. Yeah. Okay, giant spider, ten out of ten. You didn't have anything to add. No, I mean you've you've rated your giant spider. <laughs> There's only one giant spider, so I guess yeah. We're and on and now. if you do. Um, submit a review and you'd like to receive a rating specify giant spider meter or badass lady meter okay we will now that we'll they're both pick one for you otherwise. <laughs> both in play and yeah just gonna learn how giant of a spider you are <laughs> okay you know what's gonna step in and save us right now pretend food yes i'm not singing grace is singing sing more grace Nope, I'm done. Okay. It was just a rallying cry. I'm bringing all my my weeping silver miners to me, and I guess I've chosen them as my army. <laughs> they they were my favorite group. They're just so comical. Bold choice, Sam, <laughs> and be your army. <laughs> and they're helping me spread pretend food throughout the world. They're either gonna just like destroy it or cry all over cry it. Cry all over it. Well, I'm gonna get a lot of silver, so silver's not good for you. I'm not gonna eat it. But you said it's pretend. Never mind. Moving on. Pretend food. The first half of this book is a all caps hungry book, which is very stressful for me. I don't appreciate it. It's when someone, either the you know the narrator and the framing device in this case, and the hero the in the story, time. is not able to get enough food. Yeah. It stresses me out. And you know what? It deprives me of descriptions of fantastical foods. So I don't like it for a lot of reasons. It made me very hungry. I have eaten two pieces of pizza and a hamburger today. 
Which also makes it sound like I just live in some kind of Pizza Hut McDonald's. Yeah, that but makes you sound good. But Grace and Josiah actually... These are all foods I made myself. Cook wonderful meals together. And I made... I made fresh pizza dough on Friday. It was very good. I had mochi flavored. Uh, I had um, green tea flavored mochi for breakfast. Okay, we're seriously <laughs> violating the nature of this segment right now. It's <laughs> pretend food and not real food. Okay, so let's let's get to it. Um, the first food I wrote down was herb jellies because that's what the gnomics gave to Atreyu. Yeah. Um, once he had ended up with them and they were nursing him back to help. Herb jellies doesn't sound good. Sounds really gross. It sounds gross. Sounds really gross. Um, sounds worse than aspic. Okay, it does not sound worse than aspic to me. I think if you ate aspic and herb jellies together, then maybe they would both be good. <laughs> okay, but in the first half of the book, um, other than that, we don't get a lot of super interesting food. Bastion has his apple and sandwich. We're not even told what kind of sandwich it is. Are you laughing at how angry I'm getting? <laughs> we get some dried buffalo jerky. Yes. Uh, then I did appreciate that in the ghosts and ghouls spooky town, that there was black soup and something that may have spooky been town. bread. Um, oh, yeah. It was like old rotted food and he ate it. And Atreo is starving. Yay. So he chokes it down. And then Bastion also daydreams about his chocolate nut bars that he keeps next to his bed in case he needs a snack during the night, but does not eat them. No. Just another hungry moment. Okay, but then in the second half, things get a little more interesting. Um, I have to say I loved the comparison of the three knights' cooking skills. Yes, um, yeah, the knights <laughs> As well, they're great. questing, they each hunt and then take turns cooking each night. And um, there's like a little editorializing talking about how good of a cook that particular night was. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one comment uh, about the meat the first night when... The first night. Okay, night and night. The first night cooks that night. Yeah. The hero says, oh, the meat's done. And then the narrator says, done was a gross exaggeration. It was tart on the outside and raw on the inside. But they ate anyway. And it said, but they were all too busy working their way through chewing it to say anything. And just imagine all these people sitting around a campfire, like, gnawing on this disgusting, oh, destroyed meat. And that's the thing. That's why food is so satisfying during a questing story, because you're exhausted, you're so hungry, you're working so hard, and then you get that reward at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the reward is actually a punishment. Yeah, yeah, it was not good. So I felt for them, mm-hmm. uh, but it was really funny getting those little bits and pieces. I mean, overall, there were lots of funny lines in this book, actually. For sure, um, yeah. There were moments that made me laugh out loud, and I appreciated that. The first was when um, the racing snail's speed is being questioned. Yes. <laughs> Someone's like, you think I'm going to wait for you, and you're riding a snail? Sorry. And then they got there first. And then the tiny says, it's a racing snail. <laughs> I liked it when people said... That is bad to Bastion. I know. I, <laughs> I love that. that because yeah. it was a, a consistent response mm-hmm. to Bastion saying, oh, I don't have that. Or, I don't know how to That do didn't that. work. And yeah. then they just say, that is bad. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I really wonder what it was in German. Oh, I know. I, I wonder there if were moments where I could tell that. Good. Yeah, I could tell that the translation was um, robbing us of a particular okay. like poetry, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a great translation oh, for, for sure. sure. I mean, uh, absolutely. S- extremely well written. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I'm really curious about that as bad. Uh, there was, okay, there was when he met the sad miner who is blind, he had a soup that reminded him of, of tears. Of tears. <laughs> that was so gross. Like that repulsed me. And I had been feeling very hungry, as I mentioned. <laughs> that soup really freaked me out for some reason. I've never, you know, drank tears or anything, but the concept really bothers me for whatever reason. They just said it's too salty and too hot. Yeah, reminded him <laughs> so of tears. Awful. But then there was with the the house of changes, then he got to eat all mm-hmm. the fruits um, from the yeah, but woman that also she freaked died. me out because it was clearly robbing her of some strength and the fruit was being borne by her body. Just it's, you know, it's always funny when you come across someone and they're like, here, have some fruit. And you're like, oh, is it growing out of your hat? And they're like, it's my body, but it's fine. <laughs> it's eat part it. of me. Humans eat breast milk. 
it's not a big deal. Even Bastion in that moment is like, yeah, when they're babies. Yeah. No, that was. But then he becomes a baby pretty much while he's staying there. So, so I am a baby. Oh, this I should have mentioned earlier, but the whole story reminded me of the Snow Queen, like very yes. strongly. Yeah, and for that sure. scene really brought me back to it. Um, Bastion trying to find the photograph of his dream mm-hmm. um, yeah, is like right. the little boy trying to find the ice shards mm-hmm. that will spell out his name. That's yeah. another concept of him forgetting his name. Like they were, they almost felt like parallel stories yeah, to me. Yeah, you're right. And I love the Snow Queen. I think so. Of the Snow Queen. I was really into that. But yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really put any of these connections together when I was a kid reading this book. I just thought of it as a standalone tale. Mm. Yeah. But the more you learn, the more things get ruined. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This book was not ruined by that. It's just interesting to see all the influences. That's such a dark thing to say. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. True. Like you lose your naive, naivete and you. You discover... said that pretend food was going to cheer us up <laughs> and it has not. It has done nothing of the sort. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's close out pretend food. Um, let us know what your favorite weird. What's the sound of a book closing? Wait, wait, wait. I can do better. <laughs> Thank you. The food is closed. Um, yeah, let us know what your favorite was. Send us an email or hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. We'll give you our handles later. Grace, you're like slurring your speech. Nah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you just said. Last segment. Uh, we don't usually do this, um, but I'd like to make some recommendations of different games and books and things. Can I that sing the Undertale music? Of. That's what I come do. Yeah. Do. So there's this game that we both really love called Undertale. It is a computer game. It's available on Steam. Um, and yeah, for Mac or PC, if you haven't played it or heard of it, which you probably have by this point, I feel like if you are interested in you've seen someone cosplaying, yeah, or you've seen you've seen a winking skeleton, that's from Undertale. Um, really incredible game. I couldn't recommend it more highly. Mm-hmm. Um, it does get disturbing. So just a warning there. And I don't want to give any spoilers about the game, but there's, yeah, you should really go into it knowing nothing. There's a specific conceit in it that is played out very interestingly in this book that has to do with the world around you changing based on the way you treat its inhabitants. Mm-hmm. And that was super cool. Also, different kind of game, a board game called Dixit. Uh, I was reminded of the visuals of Dixit many times over, especially with the old man in the egg, the old man of the mountains, um, who is writing a lot of the the visuals. Yeah, Dixit is this incredible board game um, that's kind of similar to apples to apples in the terms of the way it works, but you draw cards that have paintings on them and then you come up with phrases for those paintings that other people try to guess who picked one, who picked which one for. If you're playing it with too many people you don't know very well, it's going to be rough. But if you play it with family or close friends, then yeah. it's a lot of fun. Much like apples to apples. Yes. I, but I hate comparing Dixit to apples to apples because I'm, I'm not. You've done it like three times now, so... <laughs> Good face. (laughs) Check out Dixit. It's really cool. It's very dreamlike, very pretty. And I also think that the artist was influenced by Neverending Story. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Was there anything else that came to mind while you were reading that you'd like to recommend? Um, I mean, all of the books that we've suggested. Every book that we've covered, pretty much. Yeah, and Lord of the Rings as well. Um, I recently reread a version of The Snow Queen, and it's just as good as I remember. I'd definitely recommend checking that out if you um, are interested in seeing how the two stories kind of interplay. Um, And we, like we mentioned, there, there are... A few adaptations of this book, um, some done more successfully than others, and we're going to have another mini episode because you guys seem to like those since they're a little shorter and, well, you know, you don't have to read a 450-page book to get in the spirit and follow along. Um, Maybe we'll bring Patrick back, too. 
yeah, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll have Patrick in on the fun. Um, but we're going to rewatch some of the animated uh Never ending story. The weirdest, worst one, really. Yeah, we'll and once we do, once we get that up, we'll also put up a link to where you can see some of it on YouTube, so you can check it out if you're interested. So, so. such a weak little clap. clap. <laughs> That's the never ending story. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the book, or whether you know if you've if you've seen that television show that we're talking about would love to connect with you on that because I feel pretty alone on that haven't one. talked to another person outside of our family who has we did find an amazing YouTube review of it that we will link to but it is um, it does contain some swears so just a warning swears. for everyone out there although our podcast is not except for this episode where I had to beep one out because I was getting a little too passionate you can find us on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. We'll put up the cover of our edition of the book, our childhood edition. It also has my little scrawled name written yeah. in gel pen and our home phone number. It's <laughs> now been someone... disconnected, so don't even try. No, I think someone else has it now. Okay, right. But I mean, you're yeah. not going to reach us, so call no, it and you... bother a stranger if you'd like. <laughs> oh, but I'll, I'll probably blur it out. Grace will blur it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, put those pics up on our website and also on our Twitter at Dragon Babies Pod and our Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast. You can also email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. And we would love it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, help us reach some more folks, shape the books that we cover, and more. We've now had two listener requests for the same Diana Wynn Jones book, which is very exciting and shows that. Y'all are basically a hive mind, which I am very into. We're very excited by this. Yeah, so yeah. that book is going to be coming up in the next few episodes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So look out for it. Stay tuned. Yeah. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Bye-bye.